All right, let's do a movie review. We're talking about a movie. Like I said, uh, you know, earlier, this is a movie that you and I have been just chomping at the bit to get our hands on. This movie's called In the Heights. It's available on HBO Max for the next month. Uh, well, less than a month now, but for the next few weeks. And it's also available in theaters. I believe, Kirk, you watched it on HBO Max in the comfort of your own home. Is that correct? I did. And I watched it on Ultra Screen. That's right. I went to Marcus Theaters, O'Fallon, uh, my spot, my fave, and got the Ultra Screen, got the popcorn, did did it upright. I wanted it. I, I told myself, if I can see it in theaters, I want to make sure I get the loudest experience that i can get and mission accomplished so do you think that when we're like ultra ultra famous that uh-huh. they will um name one of those theaters after us like the popcorn mm-hmm. for breakfast theater yeah i mean i think sooner rather than later that'll have that'll be happening i'm gonna go ahead and uh, just put a little submission form uh, across they, their desk they need there. to give me like a brick outside that theater or something because i have to be within the top one percent of customers oh yeah like, absolutely guaranteed like i I mean, they probably like they they saw me coming through the door, and they're like, "Oh, thank God, he's back!" You know, I mean, I just I spend so much money there because I always get an absurd amount of snacks because that's part of the experience. Yeah. Um. So I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna and, I'm gonna ask for some sort yeah. of information. And a lot of the time, I have I've been able to um uh, trick my wife into allowing me to get dinner there too, which is a, yes. at a minimum seventy five dollars, and Easily. I will spend any amount to have those chicken fingers and fries there chicken fingers the mozzarella sticks all of it it's all great the pretzel bites oh my god i gotta go i I gotta go like catch like an 11 o'clock showing (laughs) that's right it's best it's best when you go see a movie you've already seen because then you can leave halfway through to refill on food (laughs) it's that's that's right it's true Uh, but enough about mark cedars let's talk about let's talk about in the heights um kirk you're synopsing this week and i will uh I will listen intently just in case I need to need to add anything, but I, I have the utmost faith in you. Thank you. Thank you. This, this, uh, this movie, this film, based on the 2008 Tony Award-winning musical In the Heights by Mr. Lin-Manuel Miranda and exquisite creative team follows Usnavi, uh, in a, an immigrant Dominican Republican, Dominican Republican, a Dominican Republic immigrant who travels to the United States as a baby and grows up there. He go, he grows up in a town that's um, uh, uh, on the, below the poverty line. Very clear. The entire community is. But um, despite this, they fight for their culture every day. It is just bleeding out of them at, at, at every moment. Uh, it's such an exciting uh, community. It's such an exciting uh, time for all of them. Uh, Usnavi is on his way out. He has uh, He's booked his ticket basically to get out of there and go back to the Dominican to see his people and understand his legacy and understand his family, uh, which he no longer has in America. And we also have him with his cousin, uh, Sonny, who is there uh, and trying to just live life, uh, trying to figure out the bridge of what that looks like uh, of being Dominican, um, but also living in America. We have Vanessa. Uh, we have Nina. We have uh, Benny that we follow, our, our major characters, Abuela, who is the leader of them all. And it's difficult to put uh, to character, to give caricatures to them, which is usually kind of the norm in uh, in musical theater you could say oh that's this character you can kind of uh, categorize them as commedia dell'arte characters but what lin-manuel 
did so well when he wrote this musical was that he made them real people. He based them off of real memories, based them off of real people. And then you can't really pinpoint what they want um, except for like real, real life things, which makes it so exciting. I could go on for days. This, this is an exciting movie from an exciting uh, musical. And this is in the Heights. Love it. Well done. Well done, sir. And yeah, like we said, and as you can see on the screen, it's available on HBO Max. So you don't you don't have to go to the theaters to go see it, though uh, your local cinema would love to have you. I'm just saying they would love they would love, love, love to have you if you mm-hmm. feel comfortable doing so. All right, Kirk, let's jump into this thing. Let's start with our acting superlatives. The first one is called and the Oscar goes to and that goes to our best actor in the entire film. Kirk, I got to know who you are bestowing this honor upon. Yes, this is going to go to Mr. Usnavi himself, Mr. Anthony Ramos. This guy, I've been, I have had my eye on him for quite some time. Um, it was very easy. He he is in Hamilton, the musical. Um, I'm forgetting his characters right now. John Lawrence and Thank you. Uh, Philip. Thank you. Goodness. I am very tired. It's been a it's long okay. day, but he, it, he, that's where I, it struck a chord with me that, wow, this, where did Lin-Manuel find this guy? And then all of a sudden Lin-Manuel started using him in all these other projects like this radio show that they did one live performance of uh, 21 Chump Street. Uh, please go listen to that as well. Anthony Ramos plays the lead character in that. He plays Usnavi, the lead character in, uh, in the Heights here. And uh, he's been in countless other kind of side supportive roles in film already. Check him out. Check out his IMDb page. What I loved about this is that this was the most challenging role to fill, in my opinion, because Lin Manuel starred in this, originated the role. Of course, it was it was his story to tell, and to to trust someone enough uh, to place them in this role, they had to be good. And Anthony Ramos took on his own flavor with this from start to finish. Uh, we got to see. Because of in the film, they they did it from a, a narrative perspective where we saw him at the end of getting getting home right uh, to to the Dominican uh, is and then also seeing him as a, a younger a young man trying to make his way and carve his way and prove himself when all he had to do was understand that he was already home. Those. Those the nuances that he plays in the age differences is something that I did not expect him to have. They don't really showcase that in the trailer uh, or any of the, any version of the trailer that he is playing two different time uh, two different time periods of Usnavi. Uh, we see him throughout just just have this whole spectrum of emotion that's not uh, that's not just clean clean cut. Uh, uh, theater acting like he really really was able to internalize this story in such a positive way and really from all of the notes of all the p- publicity of this film and the filming of it and the production he was able to become the leader of this as we often see people become like the captain of the team when they are set to be in the lead role you kind of take take on that mantle and he did it so well, uh, I was happily surprised, thankfully surprised at his performance, and it's one that uh, I don't I don't think it would be like worthy of of an actual Academy nomination. Um, that would unf- I don't think that will happen, though it's close, and I could see him one hundred percent continue to grow and, and get on that path and see him there one day. Yeah, I, I mean, all of that, all of that is true, and, and uh, I'm going to pile on because Anthony Ramos is is my pick for for best actor, or and the Oscar goes to uh, in this film uh, for all the reasons that you just said. But yeah, I mean, I mean, 
the short and sweet of it is we just saw a star get born before yeah. us, which is actually ironic because he was in the movie A Star is Born as uh, <laughs> yes. he was Lady Gaga's uh, best friend in that movie. So um, maybe it's appropriate. Maybe that was foreshadowing. But but truly, um, and and not ironically, he, he really is a star and one that's going to be a force of nature in Hollywood for, for years to come. And, uh, you know... The singing, the acting, all of it was spot on. We we knew we knew what he could bring to the table from a theatrical perspective. Um, it's different to do a stage show on on film. It's 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 very different, and that's something that I'm sure we'll talk about during this review. When you adapt a stage show to the film, it's it's harder than you might think actually to to pull that off. And I think that goes for the actors too. They have a lot of different things that they have to do. But what I loved most about Anthony Ramos's performance, it's really hard to quantify. So I'm going to do my best to try to make sense of it. But he had a realness that I'm, I'm not sure I've seen on screen. He would do these tricks uh, where he's pausing longer than usual to let an awkward silence like really s- seep in. And then he would laugh like in a really human and personable way at himself. And it was it's almost like he was breaking the fourth wall because he was laughing with us and everybody in the theater that I was in was laughing with him during these moments. But he has these awkward conversations with Vanessa or like with his, with his friends where they're like joking around and, and the, the human element that he brought to those scenes was, was truly next level. And while I'm giving credit to people, I have to give credit to, to, to our director, John M. Chu, who, who was obviously the one deciding which take to, to get and, and, and pushed his actors for this honest performance. And, I really think the best thing you can do as an actor is give an honest performance. And and that's what I feel like we got out of Anthony Ramos. And I think it was because he had his mentor, his, you know, his guy, Lin-Manuel there uh, guiding him through this performance. And he had a great director behind the camera and John M. Chu and, and, and all together they created something that was really special. And his performance really highlights um, how special the, the, this movie really is. So Shout out to Anthony Ramos, who did an incredible job. You'll be hearing that name, guys. Trust me. Oh, yeah. You'll be hearing it. He's he's going to be big. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Let's hop into Scene Stealer, Kirk. My Scene Stealer. This one, I guess I didn't expect it, but man, was I so excited about it. Uh, this one goes hands down, no question, Mr. Corey Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, you know Corey Hawkins from fame of... Uh, the Quibi show uh, with <laughs> Sophie Turner. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> I watched that entire series. It no, was like, you didn't. I did. I oh, probably, I can't remember gosh. the name of it. You need to look it up while I talk. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, it was it was him and Sophie Turner. There was they what they like crashed. Their plane crashed. They were the only survivors. They're on a mountain. His leg was like half eaten or like crushed or something. But I didn't think he was all that in that show uh, because I was watching on my tiny my tiny phone. And but what you really know him from is of course from straight out of Compton fame and man did I, I, I he just kind of went to the not to the wayside but we just haven't had a big moment for him since that movie and this was it like he lights up that screen he illuminates through the screen like he grabs you one of the coolest things about this is that most of the other actors if not all of them uh are are from stage fame in fact some of the characters in the film are from the original broadway cast uh, of in the heights and so 
when Corey Hawkins comes alive, the funniest part about it is that he probably gives the most direct one-to-one comparison uh, performance from the stage to the film. And you wouldn't even know it because he's such a gifted film actor that he is like flawless and he hits his marks and he knows how to, uh, how to profile for the camera. He's just so incredible. And he, he just had this energy throughout that just wouldn't die. You could not put it out despite any part of the plot lines coming through. Um, and his voice, his voice was absolutely insane. I mean, Corey Hawkins, uh, even if you weren't singing in this, your your acting performance alone made me glued to you. The fact that you have this just angelic voice to on top of that, you win Scene Stealer every movie from now on. And I'm excited to see the season two of that Quibi show that I can't survive. remember the title of. Survive. Thank you, Survive, of course. Of course, it's called Survive. <laughs> of course, it's called Survive. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to check that one out on Quibi. Oh, wait. <laughs> Quibi Plus coming in fall, this fall. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, well, I have to say Corey Hawkins is my choice as well for scene stealer. And I feel like it was an easy choice though. That's not to say that the rest of this cast wasn't incredible. There are tons of characters, tons of great acting performances. Um, I mean, just literally, literally tons of them. So, I mean, from, from Leslie Grace, who played Nina, Melissa Barrera, who played Vanessa, uh, Olga Meredes, who played Abuela Claudia, who also played her in the original Broadway cast. Obviously, yes. uh, Gregory Diaz, the fourth as Sonny, uh, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy yeah, as, as Kevin Rosario. I mean, just tons, tons and tons of great actors in this cast. So it's not a knock on them at all, but Corey Hawkins was so, so good. Um, I don't have much to add beyond what you said, Kirk, but I will say uh, you, you talking about how this is the most one-to-one performance from the musical to the movie. I have not seen the musical live, but I've listened to the soundtrack no less than a hundred million times. Yes. And it shocked me how similar his vocal flow was to Chris Jackson, who I think Christopher Jackson, who plays, uh, George Washington in the Hamilton original Broadway cast and also plays um, Benny in the original Broadway cast of In the Heights. I think his voice and his flow is one of the hardest to imitate out there. It's mm-hmm. so silky smooth and so well-developed. I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite voices that there is out there. And he somehow has that same flow. I don't understand. Like the tone was similar. He was hitting notes that had the exact same like tonal flavor to them. Like it just, I could not, I could not understand it. And it was blowing my mind. And, um, the song when you're home from this movie, from this musical is my favorite song in the whole musical. And it features Benny and it was just chef's kiss immaculate. So good. And his acting was was right there with it. So shout out to Corey Hawkins, who did a, who did an absolutely stellar job. I mean, who knew? Who knew that man I, could sing? Yeah. We we've not had any indication of that, and then he just blows it away. I'm so. What's thankful. funny is like I didn't remember him from Straight Outta Compton, but what the first thing that popped into my head when I saw him was Kong Skull Island, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Hey, that's the guy from Kong Skull Island. But I, you know, what a weird thing to to sort of harken back to. But it, it just goes to show, like, he hasn't had his big Man. moment yet. But this is it. This is the coming out party for for Corey Hawkins. It was so good. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let's go into Showstopper, which is the part of the movie that we loved the most. The thing that really blew our mind. Kirk, you get to take mm-hmm. it off 
first. Yeah, this has to be the vocals. Uh, it's a Ooh. musical, so I, I'm just going to just hone in on the vocals because we have seen so many um, adaptations from stage to screen where the vocals suffer because of the acting or the acting suffers because of the vocals. So we can kind of merge those together. There really were not uh, any strikes against uh, against acting, um, but over no matter what, the vocals were on point. This is a very challenging musical, uh, very, very vocally challenging musical to sing. And every time they got to a big moment in a song, I was like, they better hit it because I listen to that soundtrack every day. And they got it. They got there. Um, one of the things with Corey Hawkins was that his voice had so much space that he was able to play. So he was able to do some of the very exact riffs that Chris Jackson did that he wanted to mimic because they they meant something to to the melodic line and to this the plot line to the story and then sometimes he would just play and just like dance around it and it was like exciting and so uh that that for them through throughout through nina and through uh through uh, vanessa um even abuela we got to we got to hear them and just just as powerhouses through this and not a note was missed there was not a cringe moment at all so vocals out of this world well done yeah agreed it's it's one of those things um it's super hard and I always am, am, am like a little bit leery about seeing things that I have such a deep emotional connection to uh, like the music or the show or whatever because it's such an uncanny experience to watch something that you have like I'll never forget seeing Hamilton the first time in theaters after having listened to the soundtrack a thousand times like when anything is different you're like whoa 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 this is like this is good but it's weird i don't you know your brain kind of doesn't like the dissonance that's created and so the fact that the the songs were they didn't create that effect was a good thing because the songs all sounded incredible and they they made some changes to the lyrics and stuff like that but um nothing that wasn't expected and 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 everything just kind of flowed really well so i think that's a great call out um kirk for my showstopper i'm going with the production design which i thought was exquisite uh recreating or not recreating but but manifesting washington heights the neighborhood on film um i you know i did not grow up in this neighborhood so i cannot speak to the authenticity but the details were certainly there and i have to imagine that they they did their homework as much as they possibly could with lin-manuel actually being someone who grew up in that neighborhood i'm sure they had all the details down but what I loved was just, you know, we talk about it a lot. If you're going to adapt something, remake something, change the medium of something, you have to have a reason for it, in my opinion. Otherwise, get out of here. Don't just try to steal my money. And so what I was really going into this movie looking for was how they used the medium of film to tell their story in a different way, to enhance their story, et cetera. And for me, the production design from, from Beat One was really – telling that story just like look at all the incredible things we can do look at the detail that we can show look at these dreamscapes that we can create and um, that's what you want in a mu movie musical I felt like um, everything that you come to expect of the genre was well represented but it was also modernized and it was a good representation of this show and the the essence of it and that's tough to do, man. Production design is hard. There, there are thousands of movies out there that miss the mark on production design. So it's not like something that's just super easy to do. But even the scenes where they went into the dreamscape, they maintained 
their great authenticity. Like whenever Benny and Nina are dancing up and down the walls of the building, like with the, or when the, all those uh, like spools of fabric are falling off the side Mm -hmm. of the building for Vanessa, when she's having her moment, like it was all solid and and, and it didn't feel out of place. And so the the consistency, the attention to detail, the authenticity was all there. It checks every box. So uh, production design for me was the thing that really took my breath away. All right. Moving right along, let's go to the other side of the coin in director's shoes, Kirk. Okay, this one's tough. This one's really tough for me because I saw this musical uh, on on tour. I didn't see the, the original Broadway cast by any means, but I've seen this performed in a live theater space. So I had I had to, uh, since I watched it, we went, went once... I can't speak. I'm so flustered. Uh, since I watched it when since, when I watched it when it premiered on HBO Max to today, I've had to take a deep breath and breathe, as Nina would say, <laughs> in in the heights. And I don't fault the director for wanting to be unique and change things. That has to happen because otherwise, right. we just have a a, re, a direct recreation. Boring, right? Um, I don't fault the director for changing the order of the songs and even omitting songs because there's probably f- like 46 songs in this, uh, in its book, uh, honestly. So I think there were eight songs removed in total. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. I was mad about one song that got removed uh, at sunrise. That's one of my favorite. It's Nina and Benny again. It's beautiful. It's lovely, uh, but that's okay. What I was upset about was the lingering uh, on things that weren't essential to the plot, and there were some things added to this uh, added to the story that honestly I don't I didn't mind that they were added, but that they were stretched for so long, and it's like this mm. this doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't bother me, you know. So they killed so from from uh, musical to screen, they killed Nina's mom. She was alive in the musical. Um, Sonny is uh, is actually a, a dreamer. He's an illegal immigrant. Doesn't bother me. Let's tell that story. But the, there there are such long moments in there where they it wasn't as concise because I felt like the 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 storytelling of it they had to they had to give it to you in a way that you would understand and because they hadn't spent 10 years writing it like Lin-Manuel did before this debuted on Broadway they only had let's say one year that they couldn't get it right and that's what bothered me in this that you saw the incredible pacing from scene to scene and, and this is not a straight up, straight up operetta if you will yeah much like Hamilton is there are scenes in the musical that there is actual dialogue in between. Um, but because they, they, they stretched out some themes that, that they wanted to stretch out existing or not. It just, it dragged this movie and it was so upsetting to me because this movie moves. I mean, this is, this is uh, the Latin culture, the Hispanic culture, like this moves, this thing dances, this thing grooves, even in its slowest paced song, it is fast. It is fast by by all means. So, to the director, to to Mr. John Chu, I think you created a wonderful uh, film. But don't linger on those dramatic moments um, in a way that just feels like you're drowning in it. You need to uh, touch base on it, uh, surprise us with it, 
reflect on it and then get out to the next thing. Even if the next thing is something equally as sad or a little less sad, a little less dramatic, but you cannot just, uh, just suffocate us in those moments. And that's what it really felt like. Um, just give us, give us some room, uh, to, to have our own understanding on it. So lingering yeah. moments, too many of them. It really, it really crushed me. It really did. Uh. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I think mine is similar though. I keyed in on one specific moment in the film, which is the, they have a really difficult time digging their way out of the death of Abuela Claudia. They have, yeah. when that happens, now, they did things in a different order here, which makes it difficult because, like, Carnival de Barrio happens before Abuela's death. In this one, it's the first song really sort of after Alabanza, which is the Abuela death song. Um, they struggled to make it to Carnival de ba- del Barrio. I mean, yes. it was like, it was a grind. <laughs> and And it was like, because there are so many characters and they had to move forward so many stories, it was like, man... I don't know. They needed something. They needed they needed some songs. They needed to tie some stuff together. They had added this new plot line where, at least I think it's new, Kirk. I don't know. You'll have to check me on this because I didn't see the stage yeah. show. But basically, in the show, when the blackout happens, Nina and Benny are having a fight because Benny's yes. effectively been fired based on choices that Nina has made that have impacted her dad, that who is his employer. They took that out, and they replaced it with a fight between Vanessa and Usnavi, and so they had to sort of like lay new groundwork for that, which took some time. And then they had to like build us back to where they're cool with each other because they had to be pretty much cool with each other by the time Carnival del Barrio came around. So they created some problems for themselves with the narrative by adding new things or taking things out. And it just felt like this movie has a runtime of two and a half hours, which is pretty long, honestly. It, it really is. Like I know a lot of movies are around that. Uh, length, but it, it can it can feel really long if you don't get the pacing just right. And I think the pacing after the death of Abuela Claudia was a struggle. Um, it was it a was. struggle. I don't think uh, you know. I'll I'll round it up in my score later. But I I just will say that that I think is the biggest um, black mark on the movie for me. Yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't the only pacing moment. Uh, that that call out specifically is. So true. It is so true. I also wish that that song Pacencia Fe is uh, is a great song, but um, I almost wish they they would have just offed her. Uh, it sounds terrible. I wish you saw her. Uh, what, what's the actress's name here? Uh, you saw her, uh, Olga Meredes, and you saw her like laying in that bed, eyes glassed over with this just kind of resolved just horrifying smile and i was like this is perfect let her die right here it will be so heartbreaking and then they broke into the dream sequence uh, of her final like should i should i fight to stay is everyone going to be okay and i just wish that they would have put the song in a different spot either kept it in its original spot or reordered it somewhere else or removed it because in that moment that was a big mistake to do that whole sequence uh this whole creative sequence about her history and past it is a cool sequence but it was totally misplaced. Like, yeah, the, I think it was the wrong time ah, to do it because it it sort of made her character arc a little bit strange. Yes, you know, for for her to have that moment at the very end of her life versus yes. like in the in the in the show, it happens when she's won the lottery. You know, um, yes, or is it is it right before? I think I don't know. I don't remember. But it happens. It happens 
earlier on. Um, so it's like a great character dev moment where you can see this like really complex relationship she has with being an immigrant in America and, mm-hmm. and the circumstances under which she came to America. But then in this scene, it feels like here, here goes Abuela to die and she's got these unresolved things, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of an odd arc to, uh, to end on. I don't know. And the director, so Mr. John Chu, again, he should have trusted himself because up until that moment, he had actually told her story perfectly. He had, I had everything, it had everything going for it uh, to, to express how she, how she lived, who she was in her community. We had um, a, a doorstep moment, uh, like a stoop moment between her and Usnavi and, and that, that alone gave such power and strength to, uh, to everything together. We didn't need that. And honestly, it would have been more heartbreaking, would have been more surprising as she's just fading away there. And then Alabanza comes on and ooh, that would have been good. Um, but I'm not a multi-million dollar director. I, I rest. I rest my case. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I think it's a good it's a good take. Uh, and with that, let's move into our final thoughts and scores. Kirk, you have the floor. I do. Thank you. Thank you for for spotlighting my face. You're welcome. On the screen right yes. now here too. Um, I would say that if I would have rated this immediately after viewing, it would have been much lower. It would have been brutal, but I've had time to reflect and really pull apart stage versus film. And I think that's important. It's, it is important. It, it matters. It still matters because it is an adaptation and the adaptation has to be authentic enough, but uh, what's the reasoning? Uh, like Cam is, is always a good advocate in, in saying, I will say that uh, overall, I was happily surprised, uh, most of all because of the acting and singing uh, quality, which doesn't always happen when you transfer from stage to film. So bravo to the cast and creative crew. I wish that the uh, that Nina and Vanessa would have had um, uh, better direction. Uh, they seem to have been very focused on their vocals, which paid off because they were exquisite, but they didn't have enough time to linger on their actual stories uh, and the pain and the hope and the joy that came with that. Uh, but still, nonetheless, they did they did in their own way a good job, but you could see that there was some stuff left on the table that they were urging to get out. This movie is going to be a hit. It already is. The audience score is through the roof. I think I will probably buy it because I love Lin-Manuel Miranda and I will watch it again. And one day I'll show my kids this movie and, and show them how awesome uh, a community can be when, when they, when they band together. Uh, and all that said, I've got to give this a 7.2 out of 10. Okay. All right. Um, good score. I, I've had a hard time with this. I've, I've wrestled with it a lot. I think, um, I don't know this show, like not to be corny, but this show does mean something to me. I think, um, it's a show about people who, who dream, uh, which is something that is deeply meaningful to me. It's, you know, I, I, I stumbled upon this show. Kirk, thanks to, thanks to your guidance actually, um, at a time where I really needed that the message that this show brings and i had only it's funny story i i had started this show and i had listened to it probably seven or eight times only getting through act one Mm -hmm. and i had never listened to the end of it 
<laughs> because I just kept like restarting it over and over again and like bouncing to my favorite songs and stuff like that. Well, one day I was driving home from work and uh, I had always assumed that Usnavi just like ended up in the Dominican Republic and I finished the show and he didn't. And I just cried my eyes out in the car, <laughs> yeah. uh, just being hit by that moment. And, and so it's, it's one of those things that's like a very, this show holds a very special place in my heart and that can go one of two ways. I think when you review, so I wanted to be, wanted to be honest about that. That way, if you guys feel like, I don't know, I went one way or the other, it could be because of my emotional att attachment to it. Um, but here's what I'll say. The aesthetic was masterful. The acting was great. The vocals were great. Uh, rewatchability is through the roof on this one. I feel like it's a very rewatchable movie. Great movie to throw on in the background, listen to the music, catch your favorite scenes, like the scene in the pool and the scene at the beginning with the bodega, um, and, and the scene in the club, you know, it's, it's one of those great movies that is really has that rewatchability factor. Um, I, I, for the most part, love the creative direction and, and you know what? I am usually extraordinarily bothered by politics in movies. Um, I hate it because I hate politics and I especially hate it when it's like a remake or an adaptation and they inject politics in it. Oh, that like sends me over. But this did not bother me because I know how important the issue of immigration uh, reform is to Lin-Manuel Miranda and how important it is to this community that this movie is meant to represent. And, and I like the way that they went about it in a way to show that it's a complex issue that needs serious attention and they, they showed the complexities of it. Um, I actually really liked it. I thought it added something. Um, so I give them kudos for that. For me, the only real complaint I have about it is the pacing issue, which happens about midway th through the film. And you're like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Um, let's get back to the music. But that's the only big issue for me. So I'm giving it a 9.0 out of 10. I, I, it's certainly within my top five movie musicals. I think it will be a movie that I have in my rotation. I've already turned it on on HBO Max once since I've seen it in theaters. So um, yeah, it's not perfect. And that's a shame. I, I you know, I, I wanted so desperately for it to be this perfect film, uh, which is which is always an impossibly high bar to set. But that's okay. It it's it is it is still a great film and and one that has, you know, tons of great moments and, and a great summer film and one that you should go see, in my opinion. So indeed, that's, yeah. that's in the heights. Watch it. Watch it on HBO Max or in theaters. It's uh, it's it's super fun. And and I actually I will say I think the theater experience probably enhanced my experience because people mm -hmm. were clapping after people had their big features, laughing whenever the funny moments happened. You know, it was uh, crying their eyes out during Alabanza. Oh, <laughs> you know, man. it was uh, it was the full emotional gambit. And so I got to ride that wave, which was really nice. That was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to cry during Alabanza. I wanted to. You know, it's a clap after a big song. I didn't. I didn't. I'm not like that. But I like that other people were doing it. I, just, <laughs> I am not vulnerable enough to clap myself. But I did. I loved that people were loving it. So, man, if you have not listened to this musical or watched this movie, and you, there are just times when you're like, you know what? I'm feeling kind of sad, and I would really love to cry right now. And I'm. Yeah. It, you heard Cam say it. I'm not afraid to say it too, man. It's good to cry. It is. It is it's, good to cry. This is a good one for it. It's. I just, kid you not, man. I will turn on just Alabanza. And Alabanza means to raise this thing to God's face quite literally and sing praise to it. It's so good. And then they build that harmony in there. And it is 
just devastating and beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to cry right now. It's so what's, what's hilarious about that is that um, you remember when we had to like buy music and stuff instead oh, of yeah. just having streaming services? Well, yeah. I, I still I do had, that. <laughs> oh, you, you're still, you're one of those. You're one of those yeah. fossils. Yes. I gotcha. <laughs> um, I had purchased In the Heights and I drive a car from 2011 that when you plug in the phone to the car, it starts alphabetically at the top of your music list. And so the first song I heard every time I got into my car without fail was Alabanza. And every time I was like, no, no, because I didn't <laughs> want it to make me sad. I was like, I can't start my day like this. I cannot do it. Worst way to start your day. Literally. Best way to end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The worst way to start your day. So I was like, Aah! every time yeah. it's, it's a, it's a classic. So that's in the Heights. Uh, Fun one to review. It's it's almost sad that it's over. Uh, the anticipation was almost more fun than the film. It's always like that. It's always like that. You're like, oh, I wish I could have that feeling back. But um, it was fun nonetheless. But that's all we've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening as usual. we got lots of fun things going on right now. Um, we mentioned it at the outset. Uh, spilled Popcorn with featuring our, our reviews and recaps and analysis of Loki. We are going to be coming at you every single week in both podcast form and video, YouTube video form, to give you all the details, all of our analysis, our speculation on that show and what we think is going to happen, which should be lots and lots of fun. Um, we're on TikTok. I think we mentioned that last week. We, If you're on TikTok, give us a follow. We'd love to love to have you there. And we're, we're cranking out videos there. That's been a pretty fun content journey for us. We're, we're having a lot of fun with it, getting pretty goofy. So, um, We'll continue to do that. And then because of Spilled Popcorn, we're back to three episodes a week if, for all you podcast listeners. So be sure to check it out, download, uh, subscribe, follow us, whatever um, you do. Everything that you do by listening or subscribing or liking something on Facebook, it, it is a support to us, and we very much, very, very much appreciate it. But with that, we're going to get out of your hair. Um, we're going to play out our original song, which is by the band Rhetoric. You know the name. They are on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify. Go check those guys out. Special thanks to executive producer Ryan Spriggs, and we will see you guys next week. Talk to you then.